Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, they'll pilsner you down. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. We are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross App, managing editor, FightfulWrestling.com. Here with one James Jimmy Van Vander Linden. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm supposed to go to a hockey game tonight, and I gave the tickets away due to the shitty weather. Whoa. Meanwhile, yeah. out my door or window to the left, it is 60 degrees Fahrenheit and beautiful. We're getting dumped on with snow again, and I've got uh, Leafs tickets, which are like prime. They're like 16 rows up, yeah. and I really wanted to go. And uh, as soon as I got up this morning, looked out the window, I thought, I don't think so. Because you know, you know Toronto now? And yeah. I don't I don't live downtown. I live uptown, and in snow like this, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get downtown. Oh yeah, I've got, I've got interested. Lots, I got lots of friends from Toronto now, and I've had people like sending me Instagrams and Snapchats and stuff of the snow that's covering yeah. everything. And I was like, man, yeah, I'd rather be at home watching on TV with my kids. Sure, I mean that, that's usually how I am with a lot of sporting events. I'll go yeah. once a year for something like WrestleMania, for example. People are you coming to Mania? And I'm like, if I ever do, I'll come for Mania Week. I do not want to be at that arena for eight hours watching WrestleMania. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I'm do it. So let's move on, man, because we got to talk about the 200 sub goal. So uh, <laughs> Sean Ross Sapp has been doing a pretty damn stellar job. And Fightful Select, after we hit the 100 uh, sub goal, and I had to perform Stephanie Man's entrance music, which I'm very thankful that people on Twitter said that when Stephanie came out this week on Raw, they thought of me. So that was cool. And they, they knew the words. This and they time. knew the words now, yeah. Yeah, they could sing along. But uh, we are now on the cusp of 200 because Sean is just breaking scoops all over the place. So we have to come up with, uh, with the 200 goal. So I think you and I have already decided it's going to be a duet. We're going to do a duet. And so what we need to do is decide on the song. And we're going to let people in the live chat 
or on uh, YouTube or Twitter. They can decide what that's going to be. I've got a few ideas, Sean. Is it Ass Man? Ass Man is one of them. Woo! Ass Man is one of them. I've got Cult of Personality. Oh, God. I've got With My Baby Tonight. Oh, boy. John Cena is Enter's Music. Uh, your time is up. My time is now. That's one. Um, Mike and Maria, which one of our listeners had suggested was the Mike and Maria theme song. Billy and Chuck. Oh, boy. That's a good one. So Billy and Chuck is on my list. The Fabulous Rougeaux, Sean. I don't even know their theme. It is glorious. It is glorious. So anybody that's not familiar with the Fabulous Rougeaux, so they were bad guys pretending to be good guys. Uh, and their entrance music in English, they would say like nice stuff, but then in French, they would shit on people. That's it was funny. excellent. It was excellent. <laughs> Do you know enough French to? I don't know any, but I can, I can, uh, I can add lips. That's fine. So there's that. Nikki Bella has got to be on my list because it's Nikki Bella and, uh, Johnny Be Bad because, uh, it's either. funny and silly. Okay. So I'll have to learn those. People can, uh, they can, uh, give their pick and then we'll, uh, we'll figure Did you out. hear the thrifty song? Mm-mm. My God, I, I was about, about to finish the Fightful mixtape, and uh, gosh, I wish I would have sent it to Nigel ahead of time, but one of my friends from Toronto, actually, Dan Robert, put together a thrifty song. <laughs> really? And it's fantastic, and I wanted to put together the mixtape, and I was like, no, i got to put together a video for this. It's too good. So we legitimately almost have enough for an album. Oh, yeah. We, we, we have got the like Fightful album. Songs. The Trevor Strong song, Vince Russo. We've got the R Truth, Sean Ross Sap, What's Up? We have, um, of course, the song that you sang, and I believe a few others. Also, uh, some that I had included were like our intros for Matt and Frank Trigg and Elias. Right, right. Hanging around. Because, you All know, right. I don't delete stuff, Jimmy. Yeah, well, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it uh, in a little bit. I want to start off by talking about Roman Reigns today. Okay. So uh, it's amazing how, how people on the internet are like shitting on people about, oh, you theorized he was going to retire because people just, so whether you love him, him as a character or whether you hate him as a character, you have to be happy for him as a human being. That Roman Reigns is in remission uh, and he's back, uh, clearly he's back. He got physical on Raw this week and good old Sean Ross Sapp broke the story that the Shield's going to be part of Fastlane and they sure did tease it on Raw this week. So good on you for breaking that one, man. The only thing Thanks. I'll say about the only thing I'll say about Roman Reigns is when it came out that he was going to do Good Morning America the next day. To me, that was the tip that he was yeah. okay because I didn't see any chance that he was going to be on Good Morning America talking about a depressing retirement. Of course, right? So of course. So he looked good. There were some pictures that went viral of him on social media uh, at gyms prior to being on Raw, and he looked good. He, he looked and like he's ready. He was not tight-lipped about it. The thing is. It was kept, officially, it was kept within a tight circle in WWE, but he was out there telling his trainers, I'm wrestling again. Right. Because I think the first guy that I saw, he, he posted that. Yeah. So, but you you did uh, uh, post about how only a few people in the company knew. Yeah, at least until uh, either Monday or late this weekend. Everybody kind of assumed, though. It wasn't right. like something where people were like, oh, what's it going to be? Right. What's it going to be? But... um I was told he still feels a little bit sluggish, but that, that's to be expected. But that actually he had – like the, the team of doctors took care of him pretty well, and it was actually in remission pretty early from what I understand. So. Good for him. Good for him. Well, he looks good and uh, happy he's all right. 
Uh, I want to move on and talk about WWE changes, and I'm going to throw a hockey analogy at you in a minute, Sean. Okay. Because, uh, and you're going to like this hockey analogy, because there's been a lot of changes going on in WWE. This is such a unique time, because WWE is in a position where they are more profitable than ever. They're going to become even more profitable in the fall when the new TV deals kick in. Uh-huh. Uh, and yet, creatively, this has arguably been the worst time in the history of WWE. Now, granted, this has been a good week. Raw this yeah. week was interesting. SmackDown this week was interesting. But if you go back over the last year, uh, it's been arguably the worst WWE's ever been creatively in terms of just a lot of holes and, and, and flaws and things like that. Um, now, popularity is eroding with WWE, and it has been, and you can see it in every major metric, whether it be television ratings or live attendance or merchandise. And even the network, WWE themselves in the Q4 report projected flat growth for the network in Q1. So uh, so they're eroding all over the place. And so as a result of that, now we're seeing changes, Sean, that, uh, that are, you know, some of which we haven't seen in a while. So first you've got a bunch of guys asking for the release. Uh, some of them got it, like Ty Dillinger and Hideo Itami, and some didn't, like the Revival, although I wonder if they're questioning that this week. But uh, there's that. Then on top of that, we've had changes backstage, Sean, where yeah. they brought in new producers like Jeff Jarrett and Sean Devari and uh, Shane Helms and Joe Parks and Sanjay Dutt. They fired Arn Anderson. I know that you, you broke the story that uh, when things cooled down, they might bring him back because he was very well-liked. But they fired Arn Anderson. They fired Kaz, the writer, after one year. And he was somebody everybody liked. And they let him go. Uh, they brought Bruce Pritchard back in a full-time capacity, which is very interesting. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. They hired this new guy named Dave Schilling to be part of the creative team. He was a writer for Vice.com. So this tells me that the higher-ups at least recognize there's a problem, right? And they at least recognize they need to make changes. Here's where I'm going to give you the hockey analogy, Sean. Okay. Because to me, there's still a problem. So this is where I'm going to give you the analogy. And this has to do with my beloved Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> All right? So, and I, I can say this in such a way that if you're not a hockey fan, you'll still get it. So the Edmonton Oilers have missed the playoffs in 12 of the last 13 seasons. And this year, they are probably going to miss again. Meaning that 13, 13 of the last 14 seasons, they've missed the playoffs. That is despite high draft picks most years. Okay? Meanwhile, some of their competitors, such as the Toronto Maple Leafs, who at one time were in their exact same position, they are yeah. now contenders for the Stanley Cup, Sean. All right? So how is that possible? How is that possible? So here is what the Oilers have traditionally done. Every few years, they fire the coach or they fire the general manager. Every few years. But the result on the ice is the same. Right? Why do you think that is? I don't know. Perhaps the environment, perhaps uh, morale in general. I've learned that no matter what talent that you bring in, the, the, the type of environment that you foster is very, very important and starts so at the top. You're not untrue, but it starts at the top. Like you just yeah. said, it starts at the top. And the reason that the Oilers are in their spot is because of management, because of ownership, because of decisions that they have made, because of the people they surround themselves with. So that's why when I look at WWE and I look at, okay, you brought in a bunch of new producers, you're aggressively going after new talent, you just brought Bruce Pritchard back, hired this guy named Dave Schilling from Vice.com. Unless and until Vince McMahon changes his mindset or yeah. decides to step aside and let Triple H take over the main roster, I don't see things changing long term in WWE. Even though they're making these, you know, little kind of band-aid changes as of late, sure. I don't... 
I don't see anything changing as long as Mr. Man is still up there. What do you think? Yeah, you and, well, there's a lot to this because it's been the hot topic over the last couple of weeks. And it seems like every time that I talk to people that are there, there's a new hot topic because of firings and hirings and call-ups and all this stuff. He's not even referring to like Triple H before he's like, I'm bringing these guys up. Ah, I know I just brought a bunch of people up, but ah. Right. EC3 lost a main event to Apollo Crews this week. I heard about that. If yeah. he can't, and he's never uttered a word on WWE TV yet. Yep. And that was his strength. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that I amazing? That and Arn Anderson was the kind of guy who, if something wasn't good, he would go and tell, he would, he would relay that message that the talent didn't think it was good. Bruce Prichard has the reputation of being a Vince McMahon yes man, for better or for worse. He does. And the way that he explains it on his podcast is, well, and, and I kind of admire his explanation, at least, from a guy who, you know, sometimes I'll have an Andrew or a Jeremy that question things that, that I ask them to do. He'll say, I don't like it. And then if he's told, well, that's the direction, he's like, okay, I'll put my all into it then. Uh, that I can admire. But at the time that CM Punk did his douchebaggy yes-men thing, Bruce Pritchard had been gone for three years. Mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard has actually been a part of a really easy-to-watch TV show for the past year. So when MLW was uh, going on, he left uh, last fall, but he's been a part of that. And I'll tell you that the first two episodes under Bruce Pritchard have been real good watches to me. The pace has been incredible. I've really, really enjoyed it. But I don't know about all these other changes. I know that um, I, I was gonna, I'm was i going to put this in the weekly and expand on it next week, but I, I actually uh, wrote an article about it. The reason why a lot of the agents were brought in, I'm told, is because they have a performance center initiative coming, right. and they want to be able to send those people out. Right. So. Which I guess makes sense because I do know they're. I guess they're working on India now as yeah. as one of the new ones. So I guess that makes sense. And, hey, having Abyss, Sanjay Dutt, and Jeff Jarrett is a, probably a smart move because they are familiar with that market. Because of Rinka King, King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk more about Bruce Pritchard. So I know Conrad Thompson has said that their upcoming live events uh, are still on. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard definitively about the future of the podcast? Because my gut tells me that they're going to cancel it. Post Wrestling says that nothing is canceled, from what I understood. Not even the podcast. That's what they say. I mean, Shane still does his, and you mentioned, yeah, that's a lot of backstage news. Fortunately for them, it's old backstage news. It's primarily stories in the past, and I'll tell you what, once they hook up, if they if they do take some time off, and Bruce has another run. Oh, yeah. It's going to do good again. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I will say this. If Vince McMahon lets him continue that podcast knowing that it's about backstage stories and all of that, if he lets him continue it, Vince has definitively lost his mind, even though we already kind of think he's a little bit old and kind of out of touch and everything. If he lets him keep doing it when he's part of the creative team, Sean, he's clearly lost his mind. But uh, I want to run this by you, and this is my whole devil's advocate thing. Do you think that Vince hired Bruce Prichard, at least in part, as a shot to Conrad Thompson? Because as, as we've heard over the last couple of weeks, Vince is mad about the Undertaker thing, which... I told you last week, I didn't think it was a big deal. And quite honestly, I still don't. I still don't think it's a big deal. But to Vincent Man, it is. And so do you think that he hired back Bruce Pritchard, at least in part, to take a little shot at uh, Conrad Thompson for the, for the Undertaker StarCast booking? Because Vince is like that, man. He is. Maybe like partially. 
maybe partially. I don't think that it was motivated in it, in it completely, though. To be honest with you. Okay. Well, let's talk more about uh, Taker. So, PW Insider reported that Starcast LLC, which is Conrad's uh, company, they trademarked Dead Man Talking, uh, and that was that, they did that on the same day that they announced that Taker's going to do Starcast. Now, this could be just a one-off. It could be nothing. Sure. That, that could be what they're going to call the Starcast event is Dead Man Talking. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's smart for him to trademark that because if he uses that even as a one-off, WWE is going to try to jump on it quick. Of course. So, and uh, I've told that Undertaker is very, very aware of the podcast explosion and is seeking out some help from some people that he knows that knows more about it. Um, don't know if he's going to do one, but I, I think I don't know if I was I was talking to who Fightful fans will know as Nikita Krylov fan, the only one that exists. But um, if he were to do a podcast. I think it's the only wrestling podcast that can compete with Austin's. Austin's is regularly in the top 10, 15 of sports podcasts. Uh, For example, I think, uh, from what I understand, Pritchard's is like 70 to 75, maybe the 50 range, and it does real well. So that should tell you how transcendent Steve Austin is. I think Undertakers can do even better because there are a lot of wrestling fans who see Steve Austin's as a show that you can miss. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, sometimes he's just not talking about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Undertaker, if he does a wrestling podcast, three decades, yeah, man. yeah, oh yeah, more than three decades. He's got stuff before WWE, and not just that, but he never did interviews, never, because Steve never. Austin did. Steve Austin yeah. did do interviews, and, and Taker didn't. You know what I'd want to know if he does decide to do it. So when Steve Austin started doing his podcast, it took me a little bit of time to get used to him interviewing other people. Yeah, because he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was the biggest box office attraction, granted for a small period, but he was the biggest box office attraction in wrestling. So it took a little bit of getting used to for me seeing Steve Austin like interviewing Paige. You know yeah. what I mean? That was kind of weird. But now I've kind of gotten used to it. I can't imagine watching The Undertaker or listening to The Undertaker interview somebody else. Yes. So do you know if? Well, I guess you don't know because nothing's no, come don't. out yet. You'd think that because he doesn't like to talk much that he'd probably prefer talking to different people every week as opposed to, say, doing a Codrad Thompson format where you're the center of attention every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then at the same time... Maybe you should pony up the dough and we'll find out. What's that? (laughs) Maybe you should pony up the dough and we'll find out. You know what? If it's worth getting (laughs) some some interesting uh, footage, maybe I'd consider it, man. You never know. One more thing (sighs) about Bruce Pritchard I want to ask you about. Uh, So we know he was backstage at Raw. Uh, Was he at, at SmackDown as well? Uh, I don't know. I assume so, but okay. I, I do not know. Now, the other question is, do you know how involved he was? Because with all due respect to Bruce Prichard, he's also older, uh, and he wasn't following you know, the current product. Oh, he, he has been. Dave week. Meltzer revealed that uh, he's been a consultant since January. Okay, so he followed it for a couple of months, but before then he yeah. wasn't following it week to week. So do you know how involved he was? Because... TV was better this week, and I don't know how much praise, if any, to give him. I'm trying to find out, and I will find out, but right now I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, one thing I noticed this week, and and granted there were a lot of returns that that made the show, you know, different or interesting, but the little details, Sean, this week. Yeah. Like even two months ago, they would have had a camera in Ric Flair's locker room. Yeah. Even two months ago. But now they knew enough to have Batista drag the guy over to the locker room. Another thing I really liked was when Roman and Rollins saved Dean Ambrose, but they didn't tend to him. They left him laying in the ring. 
because it was almost like they were saying, well, we don't want these guys to murder you, but at the same time, yeah. you were a dick. So I liked it. I liked those little, I, little subtle I, I details. I was told that if Ambrose wanted to go out on the ramp, he was allowed to at the beginning of the show. They weren't going to tether that moment to anything storyline-wise. They weren't going to put any restrictions on that in that regard. Right. God damn, that was it was a fun episode of Raw. And the thing that, I think that I noticed, man, no matches went over 10 minutes except for the, the women's tag. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not getting matches that go 10 to 15 minutes all the time if it means the story is richer and the matches mean more on pay-per-view. I'm was, okay with that. It was a much easier show to watch. And even things like Leo Rush and, and Balor, that was really fun to watch. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch's little skirmish, that was fun to watch. The only thing that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit was the revival. Mm-hmm. Because isn't it interesting? So this team was told, you know, no, 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 you, you want your release, but we're gonna we're gonna focus on the tag team division. Give us a chance. You got the titles, and now you're putting over new guys two weeks in a row. What's going? On? What, what's up? Yeah, I agree. That's uh, you not, know, a thing that was kind of overlooked in our conversation earlier. Undertaker's getting up there in years, right? Yeah. Do you think he needs a little help? Have you seen his wife? Yeah, I mean, she wrestled for years, so yes, I have. Lately? She's she's looking good still. Well, he might need some help <laughs> with that performance. Maybe, maybe the real dead man is in his pants. And I'm not going to speculate, <laughs> but if you take Blue Chew... Uh... It'll sit up. <laughs> Maybe your grip's a little too tight on your choke slam. Do you think that explains Aleister Black's entrance? Yes. <laughs> but now you can increase your performance to get the extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Become the real American badass. <laughs> Take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises, even if it's just WrestleMania season. Maybe you're getting paid the big bucks for a special appearance. We're not going to judge, but they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. They're prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, no in-person doctor's visit. No waiting at the pharmacy. No more awkwardness. Undertaker thought his career was over. And he got some miracle help. And all of a sudden, he's wrestling next year. If you think your days are numbered, or even if you don't, but you just want that extra, that extra, so you want an extra Shinsuke Nakamura? Use our code FIGHTFUL. Get your first shipment free. Just pay $5 shipping. Let them know you heard about them from us at Get Blue Chew. I hope these guys are at StarCast, Jimmy. Yeah, you know, it'd be, it makes sense for them to be there. I noticed that they called us out uh, on Twitter, which is cool. So it was like, yeah. hey, Conrad and Bruce and Eric Bischoff and FIGHTFUL. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool. Uh, I want to ask you one other thing. I want to ask you about something that I, I, I read of this analogy online. You know how sometimes, and Nigel knows this, you know how sometimes people overthink things and maybe they make something out to be more brilliant than it really is? Uh, yep. So, Sean, I want to ask you this. There was an analogy online I read. People were saying that what Vincent Mann has been doing on TV the last couple of weeks 
where yeah. he came out on Raw, and oh, guess what, Becky, you're out of the match, and Charlotte's in, and comes on SmackDown this week, Kofi, you're out of Fastlane, Kevin Owens is in. So an analogy I read is that they're doing this as a takeoff of how this man always changes his mind. Yeah. But I'm wondering if people are overthinking it, and it's just hot shot booking. Could be either one of them, and the irony is... That would be playing off of Vince McMahon, <laughs> no matter what. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Because it'd be funny if they're going in that direction, where Vince is becoming senile, and so his kids are going to try to push him out. That's what I was thinking. I would love that. I would love that. because I every, think it would be good. And you got to remember now, so both times he's done this lately, Stephanie was in the ring both times, once yeah. with Hunter, once with Shane. So it what? almost, the way they're doing it, they're almost making it look like he's going against his kids. What I would do there... I think that's how you would do an NXT versus WWE angle. Vince versus Triple H. And even you have the, the, they have a chance. They fucked up the invasion angle so bad in 2001. They have a chance to do their own. Right. And what I would do is if they know that NXT is going to land on cable, Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I would do it. I would really, really put that in there. And, you know, you've got the Cena's, you've got, Kurt Angles, a lot of the heavy hitters, the big names. And then you've got a lot of people from NXT. And you can kind of, uh, you have more wiggle room there. Like when Test joined the Alliance, that didn't make a goddamn bit of sense. Right. He had never been in WCW or ECW. Yeah. So uh, I think they have a real chance to do that down the road. And honestly, too, when you look at the, the, the caliber of talent that they got from WCW back in 2001, and you look at the caliber of talent in NXT now, it's night and day. I mean, with the yeah. exception with oh, the exception yeah. of Booker T at the time, with the exception of Booker T, they didn't have anybody really higher up and good at that time. Yeah, Rob Van Dam was probably <laughs> from ECW. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. WCW, it was like Sean Stasiak, and it was bad, and, you know. So, all right, let's talk about AEW. Some news came out, and again, I saw some hot takes online, Sean, uh, and so I want to just cool people down a little bit. So uh, it came up this week that the USPTO, which is, which is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, they refused some AEW trademarks, uh, including uh, All Elite Wrestling, AEW is an acronym, the AEW logo, Change of the Universe, which I don't know what the hell that's going to be, but Change of the Universe, and Double or Nothing. I saw some hot takes about, oh, what are they going to do? They have their first show coming in May. Better, better to... wrestlers, rookie businessman was one. Right, I, I, right. Y'all think you all think Cody Rhodes is filling out the paperwork, do you? Right. So here's what I want to explain to people. I read the Double or Nothing paperwork. I didn't read the other one because it's it's very similar. But I read the Double or Nothing one, and all it is is they refused the Double or Nothing trademark due to two classes, and they both have to do with music. One has to do with downloadable music. One has to do with non-downloadable music. And in both cases, it said in the filing that all they have to do is refile, change some verbiage, and they'll be okay. And when it came to the other one that was about all the wrestling and AEW and the logo and change of the universe, similar thing. They just have to amend the application. They have to pay some outstanding fees, uh, change a little bit of verbiage, and then they'll be fine. So all these hot takes about they're going to have to change the branding, and this thing is in two months. or It's, it's just relax. They're okay. Yeah. They're all right. They just have to change some verbiage and refile, and it's good to go. Yeah, this is a nothing story. It's something that it is a non-story. So I've I've never covered wrestling in a landscape like this. The closest, I mean, the first day I did pro wrestling journalism was the Monday night, 
the Monday Night War between TNA and WWE on January 4th, 2010. That was the night of my first column I wrote. Which ended it, on January 5th, 2010. Yeah, you goddamn right it did. <laughs> it ended when Homicide couldn't climb out of that hole in the top of the cage on live TV. Uh, it was bad, but it's such a nothing story. But It is a nothing story. I'll tell you what isn't a nothing story. The story of Roman Reigns. And ahead of this announcement, I had actually spoken to WWE road agent Shane Helms about his relationship with Roman Reigns. Uh, you all may remember Shane teamed with uh, Roman's brother Rosie for years. Take a listen. I had reached out to you when Roman Reigns had made his announcement that he had leukemia. And I said, did you know anything about this? Because obviously you teamed with his brother for a long time, a long time ago. Uh, you didn't know anything about it. Can you tell me like, kind of what went through your head and your relationship with Roman Reigns? I mean, I just thought it was super sad, you know, I mean, um, you know, somebody coming out, you know, having to, having to, you know, say that and you should reveal, reveal that to the world. I, like I said, I didn't know he had it before and didn't know the battle he had with it before. And, but too, you know, and I talked about when I, about this before, he looks so much like Rosie, like yeah. Maddie, that, you know, when I was hearing that, that just kind of compounded you know what I'm saying? That compounded on me because, you know, of of how, how I felt about Rosie. So it just made me think about him and then think about him. So it just it was a really sad moment, you know, and I just I mean, I hope that, you know, that he he's able to beat it again and we see him again. You know? I mean, I hope that with all my heart. Yeah. He's a kind guy. You know, he's a very nice guy, sweet guy, you know, um, and, and a lot of, you know, everybody backstage likes him. You know, regardless of how the fans react to him sometimes because of how they feel he should or shouldn't be booked, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. You know, his his heart is, is seems just like he seems like a, you know, like it's a heart of gold. A picture emerged of you two sharing a moment after the Royal Rumble. That had to be special for you, considering how close you were with his brother. Yeah, you know, I mean, I got to talk to him. Uh, I went to a house show uh, after Rosie passed and, you know. We we had a moment there, you know, and, and we kind of, you know, were able to, you know, to express, you know, how, how I felt, condolences and and that sort of thing. So, uh, but it was like nothing I wanted to get heavy into when somebody's got to go to work. You know, you don't want to go have this real conversation and then, oh, yeah, by the way, go out and risk your life in the ring here. And I don't want to bring him down too much. But it was, you know, we said, you know. You know, very positive things and very cool things. And, you know, at the Rumble, it wasn't like we was having this really deep conversation or anything. Yeah. We were just talking, you know, two guys talking. But but because of the history, you know, uh, of me with his brother, you know, it, it, it did add a little special meaning to that picture. It looks like we're, we're almost about to embrace, you know. It does. <laughs> it, it does look like, you know. But, uh, I mean, he, that's just him being a good guy. You know, when you talk, he listens. I, I don't know, know that any single photo out of that Royal Rumble got more attention than that one. I mean, it. It was everywhere because of everything that had happened, and and now I mean it was it is a touching photo. Yeah, yeah, it is, man. Because and too, like I said, when I see him, and I, I mean, I think that was my caption there. Every time I see Roman, I see I see Rosie, and I can't help it. Yeah, you know. And I, it's not like I, I see it and I get sad. I have a lot of, you know, ninety nine percent of my memories of Rosie are funny. Yeah. So I see him and I, I think about good things, you know, but then, you know, I see him and I miss Rosie too. So make sure you guys check out Shane Helms podcast, Highway to Helms. It's back. Uh, you all can check out uh, his social media for good links to that. And he's doing work as a road agent. I think a very good hire for a lot of the same reasons that we brought him on. He's, he's had a little bit of everything in his career. Sure. So 
Yep. I want to say something quick. You and I talked a little bit off the air. I happened to glance over at our live chat while that uh, clip was playing, and I saw some people that were kind of crapping on AEW a little bit, and, you know, what have they done, and they're overhyped or whatever. Uh, so I just kind of want to say this again. So I, I grew up a WWE fan because I come from a part of Canada where WWE was really the only player on television. Uh, and so I guess you could say that I was always a WWE fan first for that reason. Competition is really good in wrestling. So even if you are a WWE fan right now, you should not hope that AEW dies because that competition is going to help make WWE better. So people yeah. need to under people need to understand that when when Visman has a fire lit under him like he did back in the late '90s, early 2000s, their product was better. When he had somebody that was threatening to go after his talent, he did more with them. So yeah. if you, if you're a WWE fan, don't hope that AEW dies. You want AEW to thrive because it's going to make the WWE product better. So I am completely with you. I, I want I, I want more. I mean, hey, selfishly, I want more because I want more stuff to cover. I want more news. But really, do you have more time for that, Sean? No, not really, but hey, <laughs> that's why we got our boys Andrew and Jeremy there. That's why mm. I had to have Mr. Warren Hayes cover NXT 205 Live and NXT UK on huh. the rapidly growing FightfulSelect.com service. Yes, which has done very well. You're, yeah. you're, you've, you've come a long just, way with that. Just I posted w- the Fightful Report podcast as we went on the air, by the way, so uh, subscribe. I want to talk about uh, some news that broke today, uh, February 27, because I think this is cool. So Fight TV has announced that they're going to be doing something called Fight Fest. I think this is good business, Sean. And you know, whenever I look at stuff and I always say, what's the benefit and all that, I think this is good business. I can't believe they didn't do it before this. So Fight TV issued a press release today to announce that they're going to be airing the various wrestling shows taking place over WrestleMania weekend, yeah. in, including the Ring of Honor New Japan Supercard, which is, which yeah. is, I think, by itself a pretty big one that they're going to have that. Obviously, Ring of Honor, Honor Club is probably going to have it too. But they're going to have that, plus Impact's United We Stand, WWN's Mercury Rising, WrestleCon Super Show, and House of Glory's Culture Class 2019. You can get all of that for one price of about 120 bucks. They claim it's a savings of $160 versus iPay-Per-View and pay-per-view prices. I think that's a smart thing to do because wrestling fans know about WrestleMania week. And not everybody has the means to travel to New York to, to see the shows even, live. Even people in New York won't have the means to get to all these shows. People right. in New York won't have the time to get from one place to another. Right. So I think it's a very smart thing on, on the part of Fight TV. And uh, they just announced that today, and I wanted to mention it. I think it's yeah. Uh, actually, David Tease had hit me up about that and said, hey, should we do this? And I said, I'll take a look at it. I'll talk to people at Fight as well because there are a lot of those shows that we're going to want to cover. Um Especially you know, Impact stuff and Ring of Honor New Japan. It's going to be a big weekend. We're going to have a ton of live coverage. By the way, thank you guys for uh, coming into our live coverage. Uh, our UFC shows do insane live coverage now. Like they, we get thousands of comments in those now. So thank right. you guys. Our Raw win did a lot better. SmackDown did a lot better. Come over there and hang out. If you want to talk to me during the show, that's probably the place to go. But we're going to have a lot of those for WrestleMania weekend. In the past, the Joey Janela shows have been some of our most sought-out coverages that we've done. So I, I love Fight doing this and, and bringing all of these into uh, into living rooms, offices, in my my case. Smart move. What was with this Joey Janela Invisible Man bullshit? What was it's that a way garbage? to hype up the show. That's stupid. I mean, stupid. it hyped up the show, didn't it? Yeah, but you know, you know people that legitimately lost a loved one 
Sure. And, they're, and now they're reading this bullshit, stupid. I thought it was dumb. That was stupid. I mean, you guys can do a lot better. Joey Janela, if you ever see this, you can do better. That was dumb. You're talking about a character that literally didn't exist to begin with. I know, but they're they're writing bullshit obituaries. Like, I lost my dad in November, right? And other people have lost their family members, and they're writing bullshit obituaries about, oh, he overdosed on Eris, whatever the fuck he wrote. Come on. It's bullshit. You can do better. You can do better. Let's talk about the Honky Tonk Man. I I saw on your... Well, you said on your, I think it was the post SmackDown podcast yeah, where you said you said, "Oh, Jimmy knows more about him than I do." So you wanted you to do. talk to the Honky Tonk Man. I guess I do. Let me ask you this question: Do you know the story about the Honky Tonk Man's WWE start? I don't. So here's what Nigel might find this funny. So the Honky Tonk Man was an Elvis impersonating pro wrestler. Okay. <laughs> and the real guy, Wayne Ferris, was a bit of a naturally obnoxious guy, right? So wouldn't you know, Vince McMahon, Sean, in 1986, decided, let's take this Elvis impersonating kind of naturally obnoxious guy, and let's make him a good guy. (laughs) And let's bring him out on TV, and let's cut promos, and he can talk about how he's good buddies with Hulk Hogan, uh, and he can go out there shaking hands and kissing babies. That's actually how they started him off in WWE. He was a baby face, and he wore suspenders, Sean. When he started. Yeah, I remember. And and what happened was, as you can imagine, because he was an Elvis impersonating, naturally obnoxious guy, people <laughs> shit all over him. Yeah. And so what they ended up doing, and I, from what I recollect, I think it was Jesse the Body Ventura that came up with this. They did a vote of confidence where they had people send in a vote, yay or nay, as to whether or not they wanted to see the Honky Tonk Man. Very good way of getting a mailing list, Sean. Yes. And the majority voted nay. And so the Honky Tonk Man then brought on Jimmy Hart as his manager, basically said, fuck you, everybody, became a bad guy, and went on to become one of the hottest heels of the late 80s. I, I think it's it's debatable that in 87, late 87, early 88, he was the hottest heel in the company. And yep. uh, and his run with Randy Savage was amazing. They had a great program together. He was the reason Randy Savage turned babyface. Because if you want Randy Savage to turn babyface, what better guy to put him in the ring with than the Honky Tonk Man? He was also the reason that the he not the reason, but he was the guy that uh, contributed to the Mega Powers forming Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage because he shoved Elizabeth down on Saturday Night's Main Event. He clocked Randy Savage with a guitar. Elizabeth ran to the back, grabbed Hulk Hogan, brought him out. Hulk Hogan cleaned house on Honky and the Honky and uh, the Heart Foundation, and that's how they formed. So he had a really good run. Uh, I think a lot of people will remember SummerSlam '88 when he got destroyed by the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. At, at Massacre Garden. And that was a fun moment to watch. I've seen that match, I bet you, a thousand times because it was just a fun moment to watch and the crowd was so into it. Unfortunately for the Honky Tonk Man, that was his peak. <laughs> <laughs> once he lost, because he was never good in the ring, and once he lost the Intercontinental title, uh, it was kind of downhill from there. I think we've all heard the stories about how he went to WCW because he was legitimately friends with Hulk Hogan. So Hulk Hogan got him into WCW. I think it was either the television title or maybe the U.S. title. I think the television title that he held, they had a pay-per-view coming up, and I think it might have been Johnny B. Bad that they wanted him to drop the title to. And as legend has it, as legend has it, Honky went to Eric Bischoff and basically said, I want more money to drop the title, and Eric Bischoff said, you're fired. Yeah, uh, Eric Bischoff speaks openly about his the great joy that he took in firing Honky Tonk Man. Right. And uh, uh, it, weird to kind of think that his WWF run was about half the length of, Lee, of Heath Slater's. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I'm 86 until 91, maybe? People didn't last like the 10, 11 years no. 
of today. Like they... it was very different back then. It was very different. And I'll tell you one one honky tonk man thing. People may or may not remember WrestleMania six in Toronto when he was with Greg Valentine as Rhythm and Blues. They went to the ring in a pink Cadillac owned and driven by Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. And one thing I've always remembered about that segment that they did is, so Honky's in the ring. Try to envision this. Honky's in the ring, and he's got a microphone cut a promo. And they had the Bushwhackers at ringside in disguise. And it was one of the, his, Honky's delivery was so terrible that when he saw those guys at ringside, he goes, hey, that's Luke and Butch the Bushwhackers. And, <laughs> and the way he said it was like, my God, that was bad. When but, the best promo in your segment is the limo driver, right? The, the driver when the best, right. yeah, that's that's rough. But anybody not familiar with the honky tonk man, as far as his peak is concerned, go on YouTube or maybe the network has it too. Look up his matches with Randy Macho Man Savage because that program was gold. Like those guys were great together, and uh, and like I said, he was arguably the hottest heel in the company, late '87, early '88. So I think he deserves to be in. He held the title for. The Intercontinental title for 454 days, which is still the longest uninterrupted reign in WWE. So he deserves to go in. I know he's a bit controversial because he's a bit of a loose cannon uh, when he has a live mic, and they're going to have to have to maybe watch what he says a little bit, but uh, he deserves to be in there for sure. I fully think right now Elias should be Intercontinental Champion and on his way to that record for the You know parallels. what? Do you remember when uh, What's-His-Name did the honky meter? Santino. That was great. He, he did the honk a perfect Mountie meter too. It was it was great. It was great. And I actually thought that Santino they were going to give him a chance because every time he won he would like call up the honky meter. So I thought they were going to give him a chance, and then he got beaten like three weeks or whatever it was. But uh, yeah. I agree, I would agree with you, Elias. I think I I think the IC title looks really good on Finn Balor, but I also think that Elias is custom made for that belt. Yeah, I do too. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's go to uh, stupid people. Sounds good. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Somebody just asked, what do you mean by un- uninterrupted? What I mean is it was one reign, as opposed to Chris Jericho, who held the title, say, X number of days because he had, like, nine reigns or something. Yeah. Honky had it for 454 days, one reign. That's what I mean by uninterrupted. So this week, Sean... Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different. Ooh. This week, the SRS file is going to be the second story of the week. And then we're going to go into the third Stupid People news story after that. All right? Okay. And once this is over, FIFOSelect.com. Got three more for you, so check that out. This first one, reported by the Daily Times out of Maryville, Tennessee, on February 25. Let me ask you a question, Nigel. Okay. What is it this day and age with people outing themselves on social media and basically admitting their guilt about 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 a crime or something on social media like idiots. Do they do it because in their mind they think they're safe because they're behind a computer? I think social media is a megaphone for stupidity. I had, uh, okay, not, not to call them out, but I'm gonna, not gonna name them, but I had a friend locally and she put on her Twitter... Guy that ghosted me left his uh, credit card on my Uber Eats, so I just got ice cream for me and the girls. And I said, you fucking dumb. And she goes, he doesn't have Twitter. And I said, his fucking bank does. Not just that, but a friend, an acquaintance, a, a concerned citizen. I mean, it could be anything. So this first one is along those lines. 
because uh, I just don't understand. Why would you do that? Why would you out yourself? <laughs> I don't get it. So this first one, uh, so there was a female driver for a food delivery service in uh, Maryville, Tennessee. They have a service out there called Dinner Delivered. Yeah. All right, we use Uber Eats here a lot in Toronto, but they. Reason I want to move to Lexington, so I don't have to leave my house anymore to get food. There you go. Well, they have one called Dinner Delivered. So what happened was this female driver she picked up an order from a Mexican restaurant. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, she had a friend with her that was driving with her, a 31-year-old guy named Howard Matthew Webb. I don't know why she did, but she had a friend that was driving with her. So she picks up this Mexican uh, this Mexican restaurant order. I guess the customer didn't leave a very good tip. Yeah. And so Mr. Webb, uh, he wasn't impressed. So what do you think he did? <sighs> Sent her a picture of his balls. So you're not far off. God. Oh, really? It's so, getting to the point to where these are so ridiculous that I think of the most ridiculous thing he could do. And, and then you're close. Yeah. So what they did was they filmed him dipping his testicles in a container of salsa <laughs> Look out for my next single. It's called my salsa. <laughs> so they filmed him. They filmed him dipping his testicles in a container of salsa, while the woman, the driver in the background, said, "This is what you get when you give an eighty-nine cent tip for an almost thirty-minute drive." Then they posted the video on Facebook. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard Jimmy, but word is that the salsa makes all the pretty girls want to dance and take off their underpants. Uh huh. The salsa. Well, in this case, in this case, you know, he did take off his underpants. He sure did. He also ended up in prison because what happened was that video went viral. It got back to dinner delivered. They called the police. They were able to ID the suspects. And Mr. Howard Matthew Webb is in jail in lieu of a $45,000 bond. And get this, Sean, because this is the world now. He is charged with a class C felony, Mm -hmm. felony of adulteration of food, liquids, or pharmaceuticals. If convicted, he faces a possible sentence of 3 to 15 years in prison <laughs> and a $10,000 fine. Also, his Isn't ball, that amazing? His balls are wrecked now. Yeah, his balls are, yeah, they're definitely not what not they what, not what they once were. That wasn't the SRS file? That wasn't the SRS file. That's what kind of a week we have this week. (laughs) So this next one, I guess I could have called that the SRS file. This is the SRS file reported by WOIO Cleveland on February 19th. So the owner of a new nail salon in Perkins Township, Ohio, is risking having the local zoning board turn down her application based solely on the name of her business. Strictly because of the name of her business, they might not grant her zoning for her business. Uh, what do you think she called the business? Well, considering there were no issues locally when someone had named themselves Kehoe's Country Cafe with three K's across their board, I can't even guess what this might be. We have a picture of the business. Put it up, Nigel. She calls it hand jobs. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the owner, the owner's say, name, the owner. Forget owner's, the zoning board. Rock with that. <laughs> the owner's name is Don Moon, and she said she did it so that people will remember the name and help generate business. And you know what? It worked because the story, the story got picked up nationally in the U.S. Yep. So it worked. Good so for good her. for good for you, Don Moon. You call it hand jobs if you want. Yeah. Good job. This last one, the third stupid people news story of the week, Sean was reported by David Bixenspan on February 25th. 
Uh, he posted a couple of things on Twitter. Let's talk about Impact Wrestling. Let's do All it. Right? I can't wait to go off about this. Now, anybody who is new to this podcast, you probably don't know that I have been a little bit critical, a little bit critical of Impact Wrestling over the last year-ish. Uh, and Ed Nordholm, who you is also the... greatly admire them. You have a canvas photo of Ed Nordholm. I do, I do. Sean got it for me for like Christmas or something, and it's back here somewhere. So you got it yourself. Yeah, I got it myself. Yeah, <laughs> I've been critical of them because of just a a constant number of poor decisions that they have made. And I know people will say the WCW was just you know horrible business because of how much money they lost in Grant. That's that's fair. But Impact Wrestling, can you imagine, Sean, if they had had the kind of money? That WCW had, they would have bankrupt Turner. When you when you when you when you look at the business decisions that have been made, I'm not going to recap all of those decisions. I could go on about five straight shows in Ottawa and having to get casting directors to fill the seats, and I could go on about putting the network when it was in beta, not behind a password protected wall, so that anybody could go in there whenever they wanted. I could talk about all this stuff. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but let's talk about this. So in August of last year, Jeff Jarrett filed, uh, was fired from Impact, uh, and he and Global Force Entertainment, which is his company, they filed suit against Impact and his parent company, Anthem, because he wanted to, uh, he was alleging copyright and trademark infringement, uh, and he claimed that Anthem kept the master tapes of 16 one-hour episodes of GFW Amped that Jarrett had taped, I think, in 2015. So what he was looking for in the lawsuit was financial damages, plus he wanted Impact to delete or destroy any copies of GFW content, and he wanted them to return the master tapes. Yes. Which is fair. They never had the deal signed. They don't own the master tapes, so that's fair. Mr. David Bixenspan has been following this case, and on Twitter he posted a couple of excerpts from court documents that were recently filed. Here's the first one. Put it up, uh, Nigel. Look at the thing that's highlighted. Defendants admit that the master recordings were deleted while in their custody and no longer exist. Okay? So that's the first thing that came out. They deleted the master tapes. Now, this leads you to kind of wonder, why in the love of God would you do that yeah. when you don't own that footage? Well, they explained it in another piece of this court document. Put it up, Nigel. The, the 16 one-hour episodes of Global Force Wrestling Amped content sought in this question no longer exists. It was deleted in the normal course of business long prior to the onset of this litigation in order to free up storage space on Anthem Wrestling Systems. Do you got that, Sean? So they deleted master footage and they are a content provider. What are you doing? The solution to all of Impact Wrestling's problems. <laughs> to all of them. An external hard drive. That's the solution to everything. You know what I really love, Sean? I loved how you posted on Twitter about I had old footage from 2000 and I didn't delete it. Yeah. Oh, which I is posted true. a lot of things on Twitter. Also, uh, poked a little fun, as we're going to do. I would poke fun at anybody who did something this dumb. Yeah. Now, first off, that's stupid. It's really bad. That's stupid. And people say, oh, it was just an F you to Jarrett. And I said, then that's stupid. There's it no way. It wasn't. Whether, whether or not they did it or not, the fact that they said this on the record is stupid. So there is no escape from well, them have... doing something stupid. Whether yeah. the reason that they did it is stupid. Yeah. If they did it as an F you to Jarrett, they're stupid. The fact that they said it on the record is stupid. Yep. Now, I joked. I was like, man. Impact Wrestling going to start paying wrestlers by the gigabyte instead of uh, by the match and by the show. 
and people, Impact fans in particular, have the balls to say to me, oh, what proof do you have that Impact didn't offer Chris Jericho seven figures? Right there. They're worried about hard drive space. Yeah. But they're I mean, Chris Jericho over a million per match. Piss off, mate. Never that happened. ain't happening. No. That's Jericho just spitballing like he always does. So here's what I did, Sean. I wanted to try to give Anthem the benefit uh, of a doubt to a degree. So here's what I did. I asked my IT guys upstairs, right? I asked them, let me ask you a question. How much space would it take for a one-hour HD quality TV show to take, right? How much space are we talking about? I want to just get an idea. So what they told me was, well, service space depends on the format. An hour of video at 1080p could be 12 gigs. 4K could be 24 gigs. If it's a specialized production, which I think this would be deemed to be a specialized production. They said you could be looking at one terabyte, which is uh, 1,024 gigs. So then I said to them, okay, let's say it's one terabyte. Let's say. What would be the cost to store one terabyte? And they basically said that AWS, Amazon Web Services, you can store one terabyte for 100 bucks a month, Sean. One terabyte for 100 bucks a month. If they have 16 one-hour episodes, they're 1,600 bucks a month, which is not exactly a massive amount of money for a content provider to store their their content you know what i mean one terabyte for life right here less there than you go. a month it's there just hundred dollars one time there were people that tweeted me and they said oh any chance to take a shot at impact sean <laughs> oh thought you thought you were supported thought you were a fan okay get get this guys i am a fan of wrestling i enjoy wrestling i am not a fanboy i am not your fanboy you want a fanboy to cover your shit go somewhere else also, it is not my job to support jack shit besides what Jimmy Van tells me to support on our website. It's my job to support Jeremy Lambert, Andrew Thompson, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, that stuff. When I have people that come... Meanwhile, we have covered every single pay-per-view they've done, every episode they've done. Uh, since last year, we've done a podcast for every episode they've done, done a post-show podcast for every pay-per-view they've done. Mm-hmm. We're on all their media calls. We sent our producer there to their live show. Right. We have been live at multiple events. You are not going to find any wrestling websites who have done all that. Oh, by the way, also interview their wrestlers. No other wrestling website checks all those boxes about Impact Wrestling, even ones that have alleged content relationships with Impact do less than us. So you all can miss me with that. Oh, you just take shots in the impact shit. Yeah, when they do dumb shit, I do. Also, I've spoken openly about the fact that they have a dozen people on that roster that any company should want. Right. And they make dumbass decisions like this. Like you really bad. You want to trust Anthem? Anthem? The people that let John Pollock and Wei Ting walk out the fucking door? And Robin Black. And Robin Black? Yeah. I'm supposed to trust... Anthem? Actually, they didn't let them walk out the door. They pushed them out the door. Pushed them out the door. Because they had to cost cut. Meanwhile. Because because they decided to buy Impact when Impact was a blood-sucking, debt-ridden, really, really shitty venture with really, really bad brand recognition at that time. And they decided to, to, to acquire it because they thought they needed it for the Fight Network, which, quite frankly, they could have started their own wrestling promotion and they could have started at zero instead of that negative who knows how many millions. How about this? John Pollock and Wei Ting are more profitable than Impact right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. Robin Black is, too. Yeah, Robin Black is, too. 
stupid. And let me let me no. let me just say this because again, like like I kind of talked about earlier, when you're a fan of a promotion or a fan of a talent, you kind of put blinders on, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody that's a fan of Impact, let me ask you this question: Let's say that Ring of Honor decided to globally rebrand as MLW without signing a deal with the owners of MLW, then parted ways with those people and had to scramble and change back to Ring of Honor. Would you or would you not say, Ring of Honor, you guys are plucks? Why would you do something so silly? That's exactly what Impact did. They rebranded to Global Force Wrestling without actually signing the paperwork with Jeff Jarrett for the rights. And then when they let him go, they had to scramble and rebrand his impact again. There are a lot. These of are the things they've done. It's there really are a lot bad. of people who work real hard for that company. You know, you can say what you want about Josh Matthews. The guy has me blocked on Twitter. The man works his ass off, sure, and has under a n- number of roles since he came in. Virtually anything they ask of him, if, if he doesn't know how to do it, he learns how to do it and then does it. You've got wrestlers there like Jordan Grace and LAX. And the Lucha Brothers, like I said, Kiara Hogan and uh, Tessa Blanchard, people who could be good in any wrestling company in the world. And Impact has them. Mm-hmm. And you see some great shows like Slammiversary last year that, um, that, that did really, really well. Then you see decisions like this being made, and you're like, what are you doing? The, the- They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating to me, and I hurt for the people that work really, really hard for them right. that have to, to field this ignorant shit. Yeah, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me because clearly the left hand and the right hand aren't talking within that company. It wouldn't surprise me if IT is so out of touch with Impact that they, they really believed, oh, we need the space. We're just going to wipe the stuff and clear up the space. The, and you they gotta, have- they have some smart people uh, that are running their, their digital side of things. Their digital side of thing has exploded since they brought on some new people. Like they've yeah, done. Yeah, that doesn't excuse their development. They're, they're, yeah, they're, but, they're developers are, I think, in a whole new world. Yeah, that, that yeah. aspect of things, I'm like, why would you do that? I have original files of every interview that I do. Right. Like, you just never know. Yeah. Like maybe maybe I do an interview with somebody and they go, I didn't say that. Well, I keep the copy of the unedited interview. That way, I can go back and say, oh, okay. For them to not hold on to something like that, especially, I wonder when they deleted it. I don't know, but they knew they didn't own it. But again, the the, the guys in IT might not have had any idea. But you think you'd run it by somebody, wouldn't you? You're not just gonna like randomly delete stuff without asking anybody. You would think. But, yeah. I mean, hell, I even make sure that we have the digital file of your mask on more than one computer in this <gasps> office. You know? Can, we, can that be the 200 subscriber goal? No more masks? Uh, no, if anything, I'll make another one. That's weird, man. I want to say one more <laughs> uh, one more thing this week. Uh, I want to talk about this XFL tidbit because, man, I wish I could talk to Vince McMahon, Sean, for five I'm, minutes. I, I wish was, I could. I almost forgot. This this is a this is the extended stupid people segment because it continues right here. I wish I could talk to him for five minutes. So uh, Darren Ravel, who is a sports business reporter, he posted this on Twitter on February twenty fifth. Put this tweet up. By the way, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. He said exhibit in lawsuit, and I'm going to in a minute tell you what the lawsuit is. He said exhibit in lawsuit shows that AAF originally planned to use XFL name and purchase assets from WWE and NBC for $50 million. AAF met with Vince McMahon, and he decided to start the league on his own. So that was the catalyst 
for Vince wanting to bring back the XFLs because he found out, oh, somebody else is going to do it. I can't have them be successful when I wasn't, so I need to, I need to do this. I saw that, and I thought, now, in case anybody's wondering, he's referring to a lawsuit that's been filed against the AAF and against uh, Charlie Ebersol, the founder, by a guy named Robert Vanek. He's a venture capitalist. He claims to have a handshake agreement entitling him to 50% ownership of uh, the AAF. Uh, the AAF says that the claim is without merit and there's no agreement either oral or written. If I was Miss McMahon and I could have had $25 million in cash for free basically handed to me, you take for, the fucking money. For nothing. You take the fucking money. Because now, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? That's like he a, could be owed two or three hundred million before it's all done, Sean. I'm just like, man, if somebody offered me that much money, or just any amount or real money, Somebody offered me $2,500 for the old blog I used to run. Cool. Have it. Do what you want. Take it. Okay. Vince didn't use it for 18 years. And it's, it it will fail. It will fail. It's going to be hard. It's already failing. Yeah, it's going to be hard. The AF already had to have a bailout. Yeah. This is among one of Vince McMahon's worst decisions he's ever made. It's going to be bad. Opinion. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens, but it's not looking too pretty. And it's hard for me to, to fathom that he decided to run it because a competitive league reached out to buy the trademarks and the IP, and that was his... That's what made him decide, oh, fuck them, I gotta do it. Yeah. Let's spend $200 million on a losing entity. Man, I'd love to sit down for lunch with Vincent, man. That'd be fun. He'd look at me like, who the fuck are you? Go back to your hole. <laughs> but it would still be fun. Well, I guess that's it. This week on Fightful Select, the most direct way to support our independent coverage of pro wrestling, Fightful Report podcast. I have a bonus Q&A show I'm going to do. Also, Jimmy, I have decided for Select subscribers to read Sean McCorkle's 2010 review of Matt Hughes' book, where he talks about how Matt Hughes cut pigs open, threw their testicles at his friend, um... Made out with 13-year-olds. You know, normal stuff. How old was he when he was making out with 13-year-olds? 22. Get out. That's what the really? book said. That's what his own autobiography says. And Sean McCorkle reviewed it back then. And in light of the Matt Hughes restraining orders, I'm going to read that. Also, Warren Hayes reviews NXT 205 Live and UK. Uh, for those of you Impact fans that are crying and whining and are going to hit up my inbox, Stephen Jensen Covers that show, the NWA, BTE, Ring of Honor on the Weekender podcast. Subscribe to Fightful Select. Uh, the entry level gets you scoops all the time. One level up gets you uh, a lot of early access stuff. It's a good time. But, hey, guys, leave a thumbs up. Follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Fightful. Subscribe. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.